This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 906. Spotlight on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And Free Guy. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 906. It's a spotlight episode. A relatively short one. I'm a little solo today. Um, but I just wanted to talk a little bit, even though it came out last week when I'm recording this. But um, I want to talk about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings briefly, and also a little bit of Free Guy discussion. Um, so Shang-Chi came out on, what is it, September the 3rd. Um, and it was obviously, you know, a big deal because it's, you know, a new MCU movie, but... Uh, we already got Black Widow earlier in the year, but that had a Disney Plus release um, where people could buy it through, with Premier Access, which I actually did myself um, and enjoyed it uh, that way. Um, but this was this was this was a really rough, just you know, kind of uh, decision because um, I mean, obviously everyone's different in different areas, but in Canada, it was only recently that theaters even opened. Um, like they only really opened, I think. I guess it must have been sometime in August, uh, where you could actually even go to a theater. Like in Ontario, where I'm from, um, everything was closed, it was locked down, and then we finally had this reopening plan, and they were starting to open things up, and finally, like, I had the option where I could see it in theaters. And, you know, it's it's a weird personal discussion now about, you know, do you feel comfortable? No, I'm double-vaxxed, uh, so is my wife, um, sort of a lot of people I, I do know, but, you know, my children aren't. Um, my daughter's two, my son is eight, uh, just turned eight. Um, at the end of uh, August, and so even though, like you know, I, I read that you know, oh, you know, it might be okay, the kids are might be fine, but they also may not be, and they're not vac- you know, having vaccines, and who knows what you know the uh, virus could do um, with kids. Obviously, you know, it's not as deadly as it is in older people, but you know, it's one of those things, and so I really had to think about: Am I going to be missing this MCU movie? And it was, you know, that's not fun. I've gone. I, I love going to movies, and I love going to those types of movies, and. Uh, you know, I for the movies that we've seen so far this year, we have Black Widow, we had Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, we were able to watch, um, you know, through a through a VPN with someone's uh, in the states uh, HBO account, uh, it, which again is not an option in Canada. Uh, and Canada, you had to see in movie theaters, and I just wasn't there yet. Um, so what was I going to do with Shang Chi? So my friend and I, Tibor. Uh, Tibor is, you know, very, you know, hesitant as, as well as I am about going to, you know, theaters and, and rightfully so. So we really had, you know, that conversation and there was, thankfully, uh, there ended up being a drive-in theater about 35 minutes away from where we live in Toronto, maybe a little farther, um, where we could go and they were going to show Shang-Chi and actually they had a, a triple bill. It was starting at, uh, you know, at 8.20 PM on September the 3rd. They were going to have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. They were going to have a brief intermission. Then they were going to have Free Guy. And then another brief intermission, and then they were going to have uh, Black Widow. And we were like, okay, let's go for two, probably not for three. We both seen Black Widow. We actually had watched it together using my, um, again, having bought it through Premier Access or whatever it's called in Disney+. Plus. We had uh, been able to watch it at my home, um, outside on my deck. So we were like, okay, we don't have to go to those, see those, but we're, de- we're definitely going to see these two movies. Um, and again, it's interesting because... 
you know, I've seen the movie. Um, you know, my friend uh, Nathan Strzok, who's been on the show in the past, he's you know watched the movie. He went to a theater, um, but then you know, my brother-in-law Paul, as far as I know, has not seen the movie yet because uh, I don't know if he had an option to go see it at a drive-in or not, or if he's and I don't think he's comfortable going to see it in the theater yet. So it's again, it's just an interesting divide. It's not like people don't want to see the movie. It's just pe- some people just they're not there yet. They're not comfortable yet to go back and see it at a theater. And I do think, for me personally, like I thought, like you know, if I go to a movie theater. I'm not eating anything. I'm going to sit there. I'm not going to move. I'm going to have my mask on my face until the movie's over and I get the heck out of there. So, like, you know, I, as much as obviously it doesn't mean that you're totally safe, I always feel like if you're not mowing down and stuff and, you know, exposing yourself too much, that you should, you might be okay. But again, it's, it's, it's a weird personal choice. And uh, it's not just a question of whether or not you want to see a movie anymore as being your personal choice. It's how comfortable you feel about going to a movie theater. Uh, if you'd asked me three years ago that question, I would have been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> What do you mean I'm comfortable going to a movie theater? That's a bizarre question. Um, it's going to be interesting coming up because in October, um, you know, we have No Time to Die is coming out, which is a big one, which, again, uh, Tibor has already uh, called dibs. He's, he's taken my my wife to see uh, the Bond movie because he's like, oh, you got to see this. And she's like, if there's a drive-in, oh, fine, I'll go. And I'm like, you shouldn't have made that promise because they're... He, he was, uh, when we, we rolled into this theater that we saw Shang-Chi and it said coming soon, uh, no time to die. He's like, that means they're having it. We're doing it here. And she's like, oh shit. Uh, actually it's funny. Uh, the last couple of days I've been watching a uh, Casino Royale and the uh, Quantum of Solace to kind of get myself ready for the new Bond movie. Uh, loving Casino Royale again, still not really a huge fan of Quantum of Solace. Uh, even though it is relatively short, um, it's when we get the Skyfall and uh, Spectre that I'm like a little bit more hesitant about, about the rewatch. I remember watching uh, the first Spectre movie at like, I think it was like 12 in the afternoon. Like, it was just, it, it had come out a couple weeks earlier. I didn't really have anyone to see it with because, uh, you know, I, I was doing like a Monday afternoon or something because I happened to have time off on a Monday. And I went and saw Spectre. And I remember being so bored eating popcorn at 12 in the morning or, sorry, 12 in the afternoon. Or I think I started just before 12, to be honest, uh, and just being so bored by it. So I'm not. I'm super excited about kind of watching that again. Maybe it's better than I remembered it, but it was it did not do well in my first viewing of it. Anyways, these are all kind of the backstory of seeing Shang Chi. So I saw it at an outside theater. So I do feel like I need to see it again because when you're at a theater and we're we're a little bit farther back. Um, so it, sometimes it was hard to see some stuff just in general and just in terms of glare and, the, and like in, in when things get into dark areas, it was really hard to see certain things. So I do think that I, I like the movie. I think I will like it more on a second watch when I can see some of the details better because the, the contrast and the detail will just be easier to see. Um, so I think part of that is not the movie's fault at all. It's just more, you know, the, the format in which I saw it, which was the only format I was really comfortable seeing with it. And I just happened to be a little farther back than maybe I would have liked uh, in terms of some of the clarity. Um, what I really liked as a, as a touch was that there was a lot of uh, foreign language, and which makes sense because of the character uh, and the Chinese background. And I like that they... You know, didn't have them speak in English, but had them speak in their own like you know tongue they should be speaking in. Instead, uh, they subtitled it for us, um, which I thought was really cool and a nice touch. And I thought that made it feel more authentic. Now, again, I'm watching this in a drive-in, so it's a little bit more problematic to read it at times um, because it was you know relatively small, and again, we're farther away. And also, sometimes the again the coloring of the and this is just an issue in general with uh, subtitles. It's not their fault. Is that sometimes it's not always going to work out perfectly on the background and sometimes it'd be harder to, re- to read and that definitely happened here so that it definitely felt like more of not work but I had to 
really pay attention uh, when they had subtitles on because it was harder to see it because of how it melded in and because, again, it wasn't the most optimal viewing experience or uh, you know where I was sitting uh, in order to be able to see it. Um, in terms of the movie itself, I definitely really enjoyed it. I thought it had a good sense of humor. I, it was more mystical than I definitely expected it to be. Um, it's it's one of those things where I think, like, maybe, I don't know if there's a huge amount of, you know, diehard Shang-Chi fans from the comics. And actually, I read a... No, I was listening to another podcast, and I, they made a distinction that they said that, you know, because there's basically very different, there's some surface similarities, but there really are very fundamentally different characters in a lot of ways, that they kind of refer to the movie version of Shang-Chi and the comic version of Shang-Chi as kind of a, a differentiation point. And I thought that was an interesting perspective, because uh, I think they are very different. I don't know if there's a lot of hardcore Shang-Chi fans. Um, my first uh, time ever seeing the character, I want to say... Trying to think of the exact numbering. I want to say it was like X Men sixty two. Um, this would have been the ninety one series. Uh, so this would have been the mid nineties, and that was I think the first time I ever saw the character. And he kind of had a team up with the X Men, uh, and I, I, I they were somewhere in in Asia. I don't remember exactly where. And they ended up involving the Kingpin, who at that point hadn't really been around for a few years because he had been driven out of New York, and now he shows up as a spice dealer. Uh, in Asia, which was always interesting. Uh, so that's kind of my first interpretation of the character. And I, I knew him, but hadn't seen much of it. And I know of the comic. Now, I've had the good luck and good fortune to speak with Doug Menk and also Paul Galassi about their work in the book. I've definitely read some more over the years. I haven't read huge swaths. I've read some of the more celebrated storylines. Obviously, for a long time, it was really hard to get your hands on the books. You had to buy the original singles. They weren't collected anywhere. It's only relatively recently that Marvel got the uh, licensing back so that they could uh, start publishing these giant omnibuses, and now they also have... um, Master of Kung Fu epic collections as well. Um, Although, obviously, you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck if you get the... um, the the giant uh, omnibuses and there was a, there was a number of them because I think there were some that had the uh, the black and white magazines as well as the one that had the actual color uh, comic books uh, which are two different things so you know the character obviously had a huge following back in the day and more modern audiences didn't really see it I feel like in a lot of the same ways it's kind of like Conan uh, Conan was huge um, at, at a certain point and you know it was a very long running Marvel book and yet. You know, based on when I started reading comics, which was, you know, uh, kind of, well, not even early 90s, really mid to late 90s, which was, you know, kind of a later period, uh, Conan was kind of gone from the landscape. I I think it was still being published by Marvel around that point, but, uh, you know, they stopped publishing it, and then you had it going over to Dark Horse, and then eventually, obviously, would come back to Marvel uh, a couple years ago. Um, It was that, I don't know what made me think of those, but anyways, um, so I, I didn't have a real... You know, hard connection to Shang-Chi as a character, which I think made it better for the movie because, you know, it has the very light premise of a martial artist named Shang-Chi who has a complicated relationship with his father. And that's kind of where it jumps off. Um, so it, again, it's a surface similarity, but, you know, what do you do with the character and then once you've introduced it? And I really enjoyed it. Now, for me going in, I was really intrigued on in how they were going to use the Mandarin. Because uh, I was, you know, like many comic book fans, a little bit put off by Iron Man 3. Um, I think in retrospect, especially now that we have this, it's a little bit easier to kind of let it go. Um, it just, I guess, was more disappointing because you had Iron Man 1 kind of built up this idea of the Ten Rings. And anyone who knows anything about, you know, Iron Man villains knows that the Ten Rings can really only refer to one thing, uh, which is the Mandarin. And I do give credit to the MCU to creating something new. 
Um, you know, the Ten Rings as an organization is not a thing that exists in the comics. Um, and even here, it was like it was cool to see it in this movie as well, kind of being expanded in a way that we hadn't. You know, Hydra doesn't like exist, but also doesn't really exist in the MCU as much anymore. After it was kind of routed, uh, it doesn't mean it can't still exist in splinter forms, etc. But you know, it, it it served its purpose and it was kind of taken care of. Um, and again, they used Hydra to a really interesting way because they used it as a you know a, a mole within Shield that kind of corrupted it, which is fascinating. Um, but we didn't really have an ongoing kind of terror organization. We kind of had AIM, but not really. Um, and so I like that they were kind of going back to the Ten Rings. Um, but yeah, I was not one of the people who's super happy about the whole Trevor Slattery of it all in Iron Man 3. However, Trevor Slattery shows up here, which I had heard that Ben Kingsley was at like the premiere, and everyone's like, well, hold on, is he in the movie? And then I was intrigued to see, you know, if he was going to be in it, and he was. And then I was shocked that he actually was in it a lot more than I expected. I thought he would just kind of be there and show up and kind of be a joke and thrown away. Instead, he stayed for a while and actually had a huge part of the plot, and I really enjoyed it. And so it's interesting how Marvel's kind of going and being like, oh, we didn't like Thor The Dark World? Well, here's why you should kind of like it, because we're going to use Endgame to go back to those sequences. Like, I feel like they're trying to, not on purpose, per se, rehabilitate these movies, uh, or things that maybe didn't land as well, but it's just interesting to see that, you know, something that I did not like the first time around, I really liked it here. Um, and I think, I guess, the big clue for a lot of people that we were going to see Trevor again was that the, the one-shot uh, All Hail the King uh, that was originally on, I forget even which Blu-ray release it was on, it was one of the Marvel one-shots before they stopped doing those uh, way back when, um, is, you know, that was suddenly showed up on Disney+, Plus, and everyone's like, well, hold on, wait a minute, like, maybe there's something going on here, and it's because we get to see the, kind of the next chapter of Trevor Slattery's story, which I not would not have expected to see more of that story, and it's really intriguing to see what they got let Ben Kingsley do here. It was fun, it was surprisingly kind of emotional at times and extremely integral. I did not expect to see him uh, you know, having such a huge part of the plot. Um, the plot itself is interesting because, you know, in a lot of ways, the quote-unquote Mandarin, but obviously they kind of throw away the title Wenwu uh, as the, the antagonist, is not really a villain per se. He's He's misled. He's a, a bad guy, a guy who's done a lot of bad things, and then he met a, a woman and fell in love, and then she was taken from him too soon, and then he hears her voice and he believes that he can save her and bring her back, and so he does everything he can to make that happen. But obviously, it turns out not to be true, and instead, it's it you know brings evil, uh, a, a greater evil into our world. Um, so it makes him sympathetic, and it, it was really interesting to kind of see that where it was not a one note villain at all, and actually gave him a lot more pathos. Um, the idea of him manipulating the rings um, they, you know, obviously they do look a lot more like bracelets than rings per se and I know some people complain like oh you know like now we're never going to really get the Mandarin's rings and I, again one thing I read elsewhere and I, I do have to agree with is that once you've already had the uh, infinity gems or infinity stones um using mandarin's rings would feel a little bit similar you know uh, you know another kind of macguffin artifact that allows certain abilities that are again not that similar from the gems i mean i never thought of it that way but they are they, you know there's definitely some similarities i would say that you know there's again there's 10 of them so there's very different types of powers uh and they're a lot less generic um kind of broad based as i would say the gems are and they're a lot more specific but you know there's definitely a similarity to that we just got that and we're kind of done with that chapter of the story, so it would make sense that they wanted to kind of refashion it into something else. Um, and also, I, I think they leave a lot 
lot of open interpretation for what they could be used for later, and you know maybe they can be manipulated a different way. Maybe you know when we had only used it a specific way, and he could have done more, but didn't bother. Um, even when we see him fight with Shang-Chi, we see the color of the rings changing. So what does that even mean? So I think there's just so much left there that you can kind of write the story in your head if you want to and until they kind of give you something more definitive. And I think that uh, open ambiguity, at least for the moment, um, should satisfy some people who are like, well, I want to see the actual rings doing what they actually meant to do with the Mandarin. You know what? We're not going to get that Mandarin. And again, we're not ever going to get the Mandarin who is the arch-villain of uh, Iron Man. And, you know, in some ways that kind of sucks because, you know, he's the, definitely the most iconic Iron Man villain there was. Um, you know, he goes... He had more longevity than others. You had others who definitely had a huge impact, like Justin Hammer um, or Titanium Man, a Crimson Dynamo, uh, Iron Monger. But a lot of them, you know, first of all, some of them died, um, and some of them just kind of came in and out or fell out of fashion. And Mandarin is the one who is the most consistent in in portrayal over the course of Iron Man's comic book career. So that's the only thing I'm a little sad about. Otherwise, like I like this interpretation of the character. I liked the use of Shang-Chi's kind of relationship with his father, uh, why he kind of left uh, his relationship with his sister. I Aquafina, I don't really know much of her. I obviously know the name, but I hadn't ever really watched her in anything. So I really enjoyed her um, her contact and her camaraderie with, with uh, Simu Liu's uh, Shang-Chi, but also really appreciated was that they were friends. There was no love interest. Um, you know, there was nothing kind of that boring or typical. They were just really good friends, and I really liked that bond. And I hope they don't kind of make it have to be a romantic relationship because I think it felt fresher and more surprising that they weren't a romantic uh, bond, a relationship. And I, I again, I liked their bond when they're kind of, you know, hanging out and just being friends at the beginning of the movie. Um, there's just something really special about that. I also like how they established pretty early on that, um, you know, Aquafina's character is a really good driver, which obviously matters later when we have the first major action sequence uh, taking place on a bus. Um, we also have a, you know, a nice reference to uh, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming when you have the character who told Spider-Man to do a flip is uh, now showed up and apparently has his own Wikipedia page on like the fandom wikis or whatever uh, is this character who kind of takes a, out, you know, a live stream video of uh, all the crazy stuff that uh, Simu Liu's character does which is really interesting. Uh, we got unfortunately something that I thought was almost a th- too much of a throwaway and I would have liked to see him and explain more it was this kind of underground fight club where we see Wong fighting Abomination which First of all, Abomination looks so awesome and much more comic book accurate with uh, fins that he's grown apparently. And the you know how many years has it been since we've seen, since we've seen him in the MCU? The last time we saw him was in two thousand eight. Um, the grunts were still by Tim Roth, so Tim Roth's still playing the character here. We have, I think a lot of people already knew that he was going to be in the upcoming She Hulk series, but the fact that we actually saw him here was more interesting and intriguing, especially after the fight and his conversation with Wong uh, was really. I want to know more about that. Uh, Wong kind of stole the show every time he was here. He wasn't here a lot, but he was turned off that definitely piqued your interest. He showed up at the very end. Uh, and then in the post-credit sequence, which definitely leaves a lot of questions as well, um, in terms of like, you know, Bruce Banner shows up in a, with a sling on, which makes sense because of what happened to him when he was Professor Hulk and he snapped using the gauntlet, but he's not Hulk. So what does that mean? Um, so I like those types of things. And the question that, you know, again, Shang-Chi is going to be part of a grander universe. And it, it feels like, is, is, is Wong the new Nick Fury? Uh, is it going to be, you know, magical people, you know, bringing together an alliance to protect, you know, our reality? Um, it's very intriguing, especially given we've recently seen the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, and we see Wong there as well, kind of telling uh, Dr. Strange not to do something. 
it, 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 you know, I'm just very intrigued to see more of Wong and Wong. Wong is becoming a much more interesting and uh, integral character, I guess, to the MCU, uh, which is good because he, he should. He's, you know, he's not just a, a helper monkey. He's, you know, uh, an established, um, uh, I guess, magician or sorcerer uh, predating, you know, Strange becoming one. So it makes sense that, you know, he would he would have knowledge. He would he would be around as well. Uh, so it brings up a lot of questions, too. Um, yeah. So I. Anyways, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Again, as I said, it went very fantastical and uh, magical and more so than I would have expected. And I kind of liked it. And, um, you know, it, it just... I, I've seen some complaints that by the end it kind of becomes a, you know, a, a standard Act 3 Marvel movie with a lot of kind of magical beings and a lot of big, big crazy stuff. But, I you know, I, I felt like by, the time, by that time the movie had earned that for itself. It started out being much more grounded, being much more about, you know, I say grounded because you still have a guy named Razor Fist who has like a, you know, a, a weird, you know, attachment on his, where his hand would be if he uses to slice open a bus. So, you know, I use grounded with those, was a grain of salt there, but there, it was a much more grounded film. The action sequences were really well done, um, you know, and they, again, they had a character who did not have special abilities. He just had a, a lot of training and was highly skilled. Um, so it's always interesting to kind of see that because a lot of the characters in the MCU obviously do have powers and abilities, and there's few that don't. You have, you know, your Hawkeyes, your Black Widows, and now your Shang-Chi's. And uh, although now he is also rocking some amazing rings that could definitely do some other things as well. Um, the ending here with, again, with what when Wu was trying to do definitely brings up some questions about what else is on the other side that could impact our universe as well. So um, very interesting, great stuff. I really enjoyed it. And then as a, as a bonus... I got to watch Free Guy, and that was super fun and enjoyable. Um, I mean, I it's interesting because, like, obviously a movie like that only really works because Ryan Reynolds commits completely. Uh, if you didn't have Ryan Reynolds doing the Ryan Reynolds thing, which is so funny to me because, like, I... Not that I'm, like, an OG Ryan, Ryan Reynolds fan because, you know, I didn't watch whatever he was on before, Two Guys and a Girl in the Pizza Place, but I loved him on that show way back when that first premiered. And uh, I remember then when he was in uh, National Lampoon's Van Wilder, I was like, oh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is in a movie. This is going to be great. And I love that movie. And then, like, seeing him in, in movies, and I feel like it's only in the last, I don't know, last maybe a decade where it feels like he's really kind of become his, his truest self. Like, he was always kind of the funny guy, but I think Deadpool has allowed him, and all the marketing with Deadpool and all the, you know, kind of crazy antics and being able to do stuff, I think it's allowed him to become the the truest version of, of Ryan Reynolds. And I feel like the characters that he's getting to be and the way he talks and his sense of humor has really taken over the characters that he plays in a, in a not in a bad way. I think it's just, it, it, they, he imbue, they imbue him with something um, that has become that Ryan Reynolds kind of charm and, and, and fun factor, um, which is great. So I really liked Free Guy. I thought the characters were really enjoyable. Um, and uh, Taika Waititi was, you know, over the top and crazy, but I think that was exactly what the movie needed. Uh, I really liked, uh, oh my God, now I'm going to forget her name, the uh, the main lead actress. I thought she was just fantastic, uh, really enjoyable. I also liked that she kind of plays two different characters because um, her avatar in the game obviously feels very different. Uh, Jodie Comer, sorry. Uh, her avatar in the game is a very different person than, you know, the the person who she is when she's in real life. Um, so I, I kind of really like that there's a kind of a, she got to play two different, uh, you know, versions of the same 
technical character um, because there's a big uh, dividing line between how the characters were portrayed. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was immensely fun, uh, a, a fantastic supporting cast. I think there was just so many fun faces uh, that really you know delivered some amazing work. Um, and so they were really kind of enjoyable and added again, a lot of extra fun here. Um, cause you know, there it's populated with a lot of different people walking around and I thought they were just really good. I particularly liked, uh, Lil Raul Howery as a buddy, uh, who was, uh, Guy's best friend. And I just love the relationship between them and the way that, you know, he kind of, uh, delivered a lot of the lines I thought were really fun as well. Uh, this was great. One thing that I found was actually uh, not not upsetting at all, but it was just a little bit hard to, um, you know, just hard for a moment, was they had a, a posthumous appearance from uh, Jeopardy host Alex Trebek. And that was a little like, oh, Alex Trebek. You know, here he is. Um, there's a lot of either cameos in here. You had Channing, T- Channing Tatum showed up, um, which I did not expect. Uh, you had an appearance from Chris Evans, which was pretty hilarious, actually. Um yeah, and there was a bunch of others. Apparently, Hugh Jackman was in it, which I didn't realize. Dwayne Johnson apparently was in it, and John Krasinski. I don't know if I noticed the last three, um, but again, I was watching it on a drive-in, so it was, it's possible that's why I couldn't really see. Um, but uh, yeah, I like those. I, there's at the end when you have Guy going through and accessing all sorts of different things like Captain America's shield and the lightsaber. It was really cool. It was a lot of fun. It felt like the movie was really enjoying itself, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a super amount of fun, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, so that was uh, that was my my movie going experience, uh, getting to go and see a movie uh, again. Although it was again, as I said, a, a drive in movie, and I got to do this on the third of September. It was a it was nice to kind of see movies not in my house again, uh, and at some point I'll you know get back to seeing them in a the movie theater. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen by the time I go see No Time to Die. I might see that in a drive in as well. Though it'll get a little cold by then. But um, big question for me is going to be Eternals and uh, No Way Home because uh, uh, I'm not waiting to see those movies. So uh, Eternals, you know, I, maybe I could wait to see that one. I can't wait to see No Way Home. i got to see that opening night. Are you crazy? Um, anyway, thank you for joining me for this episode. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>